All right, so uh, welcome back to episode five of the Dish and Switch podcast. Uh, back again with all the members. Uh, uh, episode four, we took kind of like a hiatus from dropping on Fridays, so that we can be putting out the best content possible for you guys, you guys uh, for the listeners, I guess. Mm-hmm. So sure. uh, we're thinking of like dropping probably a new schedule on Instagram so you guys can follow like when we're planning to drop and like how long in between episodes. But um, for now, let's just focus on this episode. Uh, We have Neil. Actually, Neil, you can just take it away. Yeah. Okay. Uh, So today mainly going to be focused upon the rookies of the NBA right now. And the five rookies that we will be focusing on are, LaMelo Ball, the Charlotte Hornets, Anthony Edwards of the Timberwolves, Tyrese Halliburton of the Sacramento Kings, Sadiq Bey of Detroit, and Emmanuel Quickly of the Knicks. Okay? So today I've compiled or uh, created five questions that uh, two of them are kind of free range, and I'll let you guys know if you need to follow with, like, um, the rookies I gave uh, before. Mm-hmm. And uh, the other three are uh, usually just following that format. Yeah. Okay. okay. So – Guys, uh, I'll get straight into the first question. Okay. So the first question is, would you guys have changed the NBA draft of this year in any way? Changed where? Like in any of picks-wise. At like what points they were picked, if you want to see a player go to a different team mm, or anything like I, that. The only one I could think of. Mm, well, yeah. I, I don't know. Wiseman to Golden State is a good pick. But this is just hindsight, right? Lamelo to the Warriors. Of course, uh, at the time, there uh, it wasn't really thought that he would be a good fit on the Warriors. But of course, now uh, he would probably be good anywhere. Mm-hmm. And Wiseman's kind of looking—he's looking a bit raw. I, I think in the next in the next season, when he gets more playing time, he'll definitely get some room to improve. But as of now. Yeah, that could probably haunt them in the future, depending on mm-hmm. how things pan out. I honestly think that Wiseman to the Warriors was probably the best pick that they could have made. Yeah, of course. I agree. Like, Lamelo, I guess he kind of fits there. But, I mean, Charlotte picking him was probably the best situation for him possible mm-hmm. in the top oh, yeah. three. Unless, <laughs> other than, like, the Timberwolves, he could have played point guard there. But if... Going off of your question, Neil, mm-hmm. in in the top ten specifically, when the Suns drafted Jalen Smith, I kind of didn't know like a lot about him, and he hasn't played too much this year. <clears throat> and I haven't watched like too many Suns games, but he, yeah, he again, like I, like I just said, he hasn't played a lot. But that might just be like, um, like him developing, like he did just come out of college, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. but I don't know. In the top ten, I think that's too high when you have a bunch of other players we've seen this year being picked later in that draft. So I think that's a, that's a pick that maybe was a bit too soon for the Suns. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, if I would have to change anything specifically within the top 10, the biggest thing that uh, stands out to me is the Bulls selecting Patrick Williams, who has surprised a lot of people in his rookie season. You know, uh, the Bulls were pretty heavily clowned for taking him number fourth overall, but he has been very solid for them. He's played great defense on the wing, mm-hmm. shot the three very well, and is developing more of an offensive game all around. But 
Um, looking at the uh, Bulls roster, they kind of desperately need a point guard. I mean, they do have Kobe White there, but I feel like they desperately could have used the help of Tyrese Halliburton in this draft. So I think Tyrese Halliburton, in hindsight, could have been selected number fourth to the Bulls mm-hmm. and would have helped them with their problems quite a lot. We see a lot of times with the Bulls um, needing – uh, they kind of have this hole in their roster where they need that guy to facilitate the offense and kind of manage things for them, like get everything initiated, get those guys in the right spots. Because they have a lot of talented players, don't get me wrong. They have uh, Nikola Vucevic obviously picked up in a trade. Well, we didn't know he was going to be there before the season, but even still with Zach Levine, Laurie Markkinen, I feel like they, they have a pretty good young core, but they just need that guy to kind of get in there and be able to get everyone in their right spots and be able to kind of use their um, – use their assets to the fullest of their potential. So Tyrese Halliburton's a uh, uh, great for that. He's able to, you know, use the pick and roll effectively. He's able to um, set up guys for open plays. And he's just really a very versatile guard that should be very good for years to come. Hopefully mm-hmm. he will recover for his, from his injury well. But looking at the Bulls, I think Tyrese Halliburton would have helped them much more than Patrick Williams. And I feel like a player like Patrick Williams, although he may develop into a better player, I feel like, he is kind of a replaceable position. The 3 and D wing can be done by quite a lot of players, and I don't know, unless Patrick Williams really develops into uh, like unworthy of a number fourth pick, I feel like Tyrese Halburn would have assisted them a lot more, especially when they're trying to go kind of into win-now mode with the Nikola Vucevic trade. So mm-hmm. I think that's um, something that stands out to me the most. Right, yeah, I definitely agree with that, yeah. That's, that's, that's definitely a good take on that. I agree with you that he shouldn't go and hire. But I also disagree that James Wiseman was a bad pick. The Warriors do not need a guard. That's the absolute last thing they need. If the Warriors chose LaMelo, I will stand by that it would be a bad fit. He would not even average 10 in this game. You know, he wouldn't be able to do anything. Low minutes, low playing time, it just would not work. Yeah. You know, so just uh, he, he would be a non-factor. So I think a James Wiseman is a better pick for the future. And I agree with you, Arminio, that Halliburton should have went a bit higher he's clearly proved that he's skilled enough to go within the top five. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Definitely. And another thing I'm noticing here is that 19th overall selection, Sadiq Bey, who's one of the players uh, of our five that we will be like focusing on, mm-hmm. drafted 19th, I think, is much too low for how talented he's been this season. And um, a team that I think could really use him, uh, what team was I looking at here? Uh, I feel like a team like the Wizards could have really used him. Now, don't get me wrong, Denny of Dia does have an overwhelming amount of potential, but he is an odd fit alongside Russell Westbrook and Bradley Beal, kind of that that tall ball handler that is able to kind of do a multitude of things on the perimeter. But mm-hmm. when you have a guy like Russell Westbrook and Bradley Beal who are so ball dominant, I don't think he's the best fit there. And I feel like he would have been able to excel more, like obviously pre-injury. Um, we don't know exactly what he's going to be, but I feel like he would have been better suited on other teams that um, would have had <clears throat> kind of a more open position for him. I feel like... Uh, the Wizards didn't really make too good of a pick there. And I think Sadiq Bey would have helped him a little bit more. You know, we've seen um, a player like Davis Bertans really excel in the role of a spot-up shooter, uh, being able to get those open looks from the um, creations and gravity that Russell Westbrook and Bradley Beal have. So if I think if Sadiq Bey moving without the ball being able to being set up by um, those two players would have been an amazing fit for them. And he's also quite a versatile big man who... He's able to stretch the floor. He's able to guard multiple positions. And I feel like that would have helped the Wizards more than the likes of Denny of Dihe, at least right now. And I think um, Sadiq Bey is one of the most under, uh, uh, what's it called? Um, underrated players in this entire draft. So mm-hmm. I think that would have been a better pick for them. 
Okay. Uh, so this next question is more uh, broad, and it's about like uh, it's not really talking about. Well, it applies to these rookies, but uh, the question is, what is your guys' take on the modern NBA having an upward trend of rookie playing time? So uh, what I mean by that is the uh, rookies taking spots of uh, players who were already on the team or gaining more minutes than uh, there used to be in the NBA. What do you guys think about that? Well, I think one thing that that could mean is simply that there are a lot of talented rookies and talented young players who are coming into the league and proving their worth early on. Mm-hmm. Um, now, it could also be a thing of a lot of teams trying to prepare for the future. A lot of those um, lower-end teams trying to prepare for the future, but it could also be the first thing I said, which is that right, um, yeah. rookies are just like um, really talented and really prepared for the NBA at this point. Mm-hmm. And because mm-hmm. of that, they, they'll step up over veterans and take those spots. I think yeah. that's possibly what it could be. I'm, I definitely agree with that, uh, especially with the likes of the G League being integrated kind of um, towards these rookies. I feel like it gives them a chance to be more NBA ready when they are eventually drafted. So with those skills being refined at kind of a higher level than college basketball, I feel like I feel like it uh, makes them better adapted to kind of the NBA game and the pace that uh, basketball is being played at today. So I think just I think it really does show that these rookies are being prepared very well for the NBA and they're able Mm -hmm. to make an NBA ready impact as soon as they step on the court. Some of these guys are absolute like freaks of nature that they're physically gifted, but also mentally gifted. Like we see players like um, LaMelo Ball who went to go play overseas rather than play in college simply because of how talented he was and him being able to, you know, capitalize off his namesake and also develop his skills further in a higher level of competition. So I think that rookies are getting better and better each year. And I think some of those older role players maybe just um, have too much mileage on them. And these rookies are able to capitalize on that and really show their worth in these minutes that they'll be able to get. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I honestly like how they're giving uh, younger guys a shot like this to perform as well. But, I mean, it can also cause higher chance for injuries by giving uh, players more minutes. Because uh, the more you play, the higher an injury can happen. And that can ruin a player's career like that. And another thing is um, there was an example in 2017 when uh, Carmelo Anthony got traded due to not wanting to be benched by Jeremy Grant. Uh, well, Jeremy Grant wasn't a rookie at the time, but he was younger than him. And he ended up getting traded because he refused to be benched by uh, Jeremy Grant. And uh, that just goes to show that it's kind of a controversial thing for the middle-aged um, NBA players and how they could be mad or um, – insulted by them getting replaced but like that but then again that's just a part of the nba so yeah i think if i were to um stay my opinion i think i i do agree with what philip is saying where drafts each year are getting super deep where we see nba ready players coming in every year especially like last year as an example we saw zion williamson uh, John Morant, they came in and made an immediate impact to their teams that drafted them. John Morant uh, leading the Grizzlies to uh, the playoffs. So um, that could be a factor of it, giving them like a big of a role as that. Maybe not. Uh, I'd say this year, especially um, just because of COVID, we've seen a lot of injuries. Yeah, These rookies who are backing up these main players are actually getting to play more and more due to these injuries mm-hmm. and 
uh, like I'm a Raptors fan. Uh, the Raptors are resting a lot of their players at the end of the season here. And we're seeing a lot of talented rookies come out and they're showing what they're made of. Last night, uh, Jalen Harris against the Mavericks scored like 31. And we've seen uh, like sparts of him throughout the season, but he really came out last night and uh, just showed everybody what he was made of. And I think it's just giving them that experience to uh, really help them out. So, yeah, that's that's my answer. To you. Yeah, my opinion was the uh, exact same. I was going to mention the Raptors and how I think with Kyle Lowry, Fred Van Vliet, and a bunch of other of the uh, starting members of the Raptors being out for COVID or with um, fake injuries and this and that, it's really given the – the rookies and the younger members of the team a chance and yeah uh i know jalen harris is a bit tragic actually um i know when the team got their first wave of covid he i think he dislocated his finger or something so he couldn't play either so Mm. i feel like these last couple games down the stretch uh for the rap for him especially have been uh, very good for his development and hopefully next year he can come off the bench as a decent scorer. And I don't know, uh, as a 59th pick, and I I don't – it's actually amazing that he's, he's able to score and, yeah. and uh, play at a high efficiency, take smart shots. I don't know if it's a bit of a stretch, but maybe ceiling could be that of Norman Powell. He takes mm. similar shots. Uh, uh, he has a good handle. He's 6'5". Um, a little bit lacking on the defensive end, but you know, small sample size is the biggest thing. Yeah, there's a bunch of teams that are really just trusting in these young guys to really re- help rebuild the team and like become like a a contender in this league. Mm-hmm. And I feel like um, we we're even uh, able to see that rookies are even able to help uh, contending teams like. We see this in the example of Tyrese Maxey helping out the Philadelphia 76ers. Who mm-hmm. He comes off the bench kind of uh, as a spark plug role, able to handle the ball and really just play make for others on the perimeter, as well as being able to have flashes of really high-scoring games. I think he had a 40-plus point game earlier in the season. Yeah, a so great player for them, yeah. I mm-hmm. think it really just shows that each year these rookies are getting better and more skilled and more developed before they actually get to the league. And even if a player is not selecting the lottery, um, they're able to help teams that may be contending right from the jump. Even in past years, I remember like a guy like Pascal Siakam, he came in as a little bit of a raw prospect, but he was able to develop into such a phenomenal uh, piece for the Raptors in their uh, um, title run in 2019. So I show it shows that, even if you're not selected in the lottery, you're able to make an impact as long as you're willing to work and be developed. And these rookies are just – that's why the draft is such a huge thing for so many teams that it can completely alter your franchise because even just hitting on some of these low picks can really change how the depth and um, how your roster is constructed for years to come. Uh, so this one is to the format of the rookies I mentioned before, and we'll kind of take it through one by one if you guys want to just chip in. and uh, Okay. So the question is, what is each rookie's biggest weakness, in your opinion? So we can start off with LaMelo Ball. And we can take some thinking time. It's fine, yeah. I'd say, personally, I don't, like, know LaMelo. But Mm -hmm. I'd say, just from growing up, watching him throughout high school and his experience, like, overseas, maybe just his overall work ethic is his biggest weakness. Because it seems like he doesn't – I mean, we've kind of seen this year in his rookie year, he's a – 
is a top rookie, but I feel like he's not like pushing himself to the limit like to be the one. best of his poss- like his capabilities. And like he does talk a lot, but maybe that does have to do with his dad, Lavar. <laughs> but yeah, I don't know. I'd say just from like that base question, I'd say Lamelo. It's probably his. Uh, mm-hmm, uh, yeah. Maybe his big ego. I think the yeah. Lamelo's <clears throat> uh, weakness, uh, as of right now, is his consistency. Now, consistency. We're a, but consistency and efficiency, uh, for that matter. Like, we see him having these huge triple-doubles where uh, he'll put up a solid 25 points and 10-plus rebounds and assists, obviously. But then another night, you'll see him shoot, like, 1 for 10 or 2 for 10 and have 2 points, 2 rebounds, and 3 assists. Now, I feel like to be a top, especially with a point guard in this league, if you want to be a, um, a primary option on a championship team, you need that level of consistency in order to help your team. So I feel like before he finds that, it's going to be difficult for him to, you know, kind of gain the trust of others in the organization. Because he, especially as of late, I've been monitoring him. He has been really inefficient. He has, uh, really inefficient in some of his games. Right, He's just having these brutal shooting nights. And that's uh, kind of typically how rookies are. But I feel like if he wants to become a superstar in the league, he needs to continue working on his shot selection and kind of uh, just the fundamentals of the game. Because if he's able to become highly efficient, then he's going to be a force to be reckoned with for years to come. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just yeah. like Arminio said, in my opinion, yeah, consistency is one of his big issues. He's always pulling up for con- contested shots sometimes some games. And I think that's a, that's a habit from his past years. And, uh, I mean, playing in Chino Hills, Inspire, shooting X-Factor clutch shots like that, it's just uh, – it just looks a lot worse in the NBA, in my opinion. But, uh, yeah, consistency, consistency is definitely a problem. He sometimes likes to gamble on defense too, uh, mm-hmm. going for more mm-hmm. passing lane stuff and then leaving his uh, man open. And, yeah, that, that consistency is definitely a big one. Yeah, I agree with yeah, you. Yeah, for sure. I was going to say uh, I, I know he's shooting pretty efficiently – uh, from three or just shooting uh, pretty well in general but yeah as as uh, I don't know who was saying it but he does take some pretty bad shots sometimes but obviously that can just get better with time but um, I think on the defensive end is where he might um, find his weaknesses find his weak yeah find some mm-hmm. find some of his weaknesses uh, I think it's more being willing to play defense as like, like it's kind of lackluster in your yeah, opinion? Yeah, mm, yeah. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah. I feel like with LaMelo, though, he has the tools to be a great defender in the league. For sure. Oh, yeah. Exactly. Tall yeah. Player. He has wingspan, yeah. And his wingspan is very large. So I feel like if he's able to put in the work, he's going to be able to be a great two-way player. But as of now, I feel like he just needs to find a little bit more consistency on the offensive end because he does – he can have his flashes of greatness, but I feel like he just needs to get on a more consistent basis to become yeah. – one of the best point guards in the league. All right. Uh, so moving on to Anthony Edwards, uh, what do you guys think is his big problem? For Anthony Edwards, I've always said this. As soon as he came out of the gate, I um, kind of what uh, Evan had to say for LaMelo Ball, I feel like his work ethic and just passion for the game of basketball is a little bit questionable. Mm-hmm. Now, I remember hearing something right when he uh, came out of the gate, um, like drafted into the NBA. I remember him uh, saying something along the lines of like, Oh, I don't need basketball to or um, <laughs> it was like uh, I he said did, that he I, didn't like watching basketball. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Watching basketball, and he um, he could have he could have went pro in any of these other sports. It, yeah, it was like football, football, or football. He kept talking about yeah. he wanted to be like a rapper. Full exactly. Yeah. <laughs> what is this? Uh, it on, seems man. like when I if I was a GM picking number one in the draft, I would want to look for someone that 
obviously skill and talent is a priority, but character is a big thing for me at least because I can foresee it being a problem if he is not putting in the amount of work that needs to be done in order for him to kind of refine out the kinks in his game. Like you need to study the game and be watching the greats in order to better yourself. So that is the biggest red flag for me. But of course, Anthony Edwards, his potential is off the charts. So if he's able to manage that, he's going to be an amazing player. Like it's, it, yeah, you can definitely see there's a bit of a lack of passion here. And eventually he may reach a point where his potential and just uh, raw skill, athleticism and physical gifts is no longer going to be enough. And that's when you would have to turn to training. But you're not going to train if you don't like doing it. You know, nobody's actually going to work towards something that they don't actually want to achieve. And I, once again, same as you said, Arminio, I could see that being a possible issue. I think that watching him throughout uh, college at Georgia and then now in the, uh, Minnesota, I think that um, kind of like what Arminio was talking about with Lamelo, I feel like he really can take over a game like we've seen. He scored 40 multiple times this year. And he has a physical gift with like his – like he's a great um, athlete. He's not a great passer. He doesn't really provide for his teammates, as, but he doesn't really have to. He fits his role well. Uh, yeah, pretty much what Arminio said about this. Yeah, and I mean, to get a bit more specific, his three-point isn't exactly the greatest either. And uh, so is his free-throw shooting. I mean, 77 or 76% on the dot isn't the exact greatest in the league. Do you know what he's shooting from three this season? I think it's 32.9%. or And in college, oh, he shot 29.4%. Jesus. Yeah. So uh, I don't know about that one. They, definitely a spot he needs to work on. And if his work ethic isn't up, then I'm not expecting them that to be corrected, honestly. But I agree. then again, it's all up to the player. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, like uh, what Philip said earlier, like your your athleticism and God given talent can only get you so far. Exactly. The point where you can use those skills to your advantage, but you also need to be developing the mental side of basketball and also the the way you see the floor and kind of manage things on the go. So I feel like if he's not willing to do that, he's only good. He's going to cap out at a certain point. That's much below what he could potentially be, because I think in his prime, he could be potentially like contending for scoring titles and um, a player that's going to be able to give you 25 to 30 points every single night. So if he's not able to kind of round out, um, make himself a little bit more well-rounded, then I feel like he's, he's just going to be an extremely athletic scorer that really is not going to be extremely versatile. Okay, so uh, the next rookie is Tyrese Halliburton of the Sacramento Kings. Uh, I, 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 to be totally honest, I think his only hindrance is his shooting motion. And uh, just the – I mean, like, he's a pretty good shooter, but if he – works on it and speeds it up he could definitely become an elite shooter in the league and that, that would be cool to see for me i have no idea what his uh, mm. weaknesses are i know that he should have gone higher in the draft i don't know exactly what he does though so my knowledge on this is pretty pretty bad pretty yeah I, th- bad. I think he's a i think he's a slightly below average shooter actually but um he's a volume shooter that's for sure mm. so yeah that's definitely one of the things for Tyrese, because of his um, kind of well-rounded nature as a player, it's kind of tough to point out a weakness. So mm-hmm. I'm actually not going to say anything about how he plays as a player, but just based off this injury, it could be a potential um, um, concern whether he'll be injury-prone for the rest of his career. Now, the injury that he suffered was not super serious, 
uh, initially when I saw it, I thought it was going to be much worse, like potentially along the likes of um, a torn Achilles or a torn ACL. But mm. I think he just um, hyperextended his leg or something like that. But I feel like if he's able to stay healthy throughout the course of career, he's a, he has all the tools that he needs to become one of the best and most efficient point guards in the league. He playmakes well. He scores well. He puts an effort on defense. And he fits very well alongside De'Aaron Fox in Sacramento. So Sacramento, as a team, they're kind of composed uh, a little oddly and quite honestly don't have that much potential. But with those two guys, um, I feel like they are able to work alongside uh, each other really well. And I think that aside from um, his health, he doesn't have many weaknesses in his individual game. Mm-hmm, yeah. And I think he definitely has an edge in that common topic of work ethic over most of the rookies. So. Yeah, his character, um, from what I've seen from the Sacramento teammates, and even when I've seen him on podcasts like uh, JJ Reddick's podcast, oh I, yeah, yeah. He's like a great guy, and mm-hmm. I feel like that will serve him really well if he wants to have a long term career in the yeah league. for the long run exactly. I think that uh, for Tyrese Halliburton, uh, like we've said multiple times, he is a great, uh, perfect fit for his physicals in the NBA. He's a great, tall point guard. Uh, that's what every team wants. He can guard – he's a great defender. He can guard multiple positions. You could have him guard your team's small forward, and he could lock him up. I think that for Tyrese Halliburton, though, his weakness is that he has trouble – from what I've seen specifically, he has trouble creating separation where he can't find his own shot off of the dribble. He needs to find it from, say, someone else passing him the ball, which he's lucky that he has Darren Fox on his team this year especially. But I feel that – as an NBA player, especially at the point guard position, you need to be able to uh, play make well enough to like uh, create for your team, but not only for your team, but for yourself. So I feel like that's his biggest weakness that he can uh, work on throughout his career. Uh, the next rookie we're looking at is Sadiq Bey. Now I was thinking about this uh, as we were talking about Tyrese Halburn, but with Sadiq Bey, I think that he really needs to improve his, um, his shot creation and Mm -hmm. um, kind of skills as an individual ball handler. Now, obviously he's not a point guard or anything, but I feel like he's a very versatile wing player that is very good off the ball. He's very good moving without the ball and hitting those spot up jumpers. But from the couple Pistons games that I've seen on TV, I feel like he's not the best at creating his own shot when um, matched up with those tougher wing defenders. So I feel like if he is able to do that, he's able to just add another level of versatility to his game and kind of make him uh, the mold of a prototypical power forward in today's NBA. He's able to, his defense is, uh, I'd say quite average, but he has the tools to be able to guard um, some of those bigger wing players and uh, just being able to create your own shot off the dribble for any position. Even we see with the likes of centers being able to do that is extremely important to teams that are trying to win games. So if he's able to do that, then I think he's going to become one of the most versatile players in the NBA uh, as we've seen. And along with that, he's already one of the most efficient three point shooters that I've seen from the rookies. So I feel like if he's able to integrate that with a bit of more um, skills on the perimeter and just creating his own shot individually, he'll be a, a fantastic player. For years to come. Mm. Pretty much my stance is what you said. Um, I knew that he was a very strong three-point shooter. Uh, other than that, I, I don't really know too, too much about him. I just know that every time he plays against the Raptors, he's just like their kryptonite and just absolutely goes off. I think just kind of adding on to Armenia, he – can create shots for others, which is yeah awesome for a small forward. But um, he can't find his own shot for some reason. He struggles in that 
uh, region of his game. So I feel like it, once he figures that out, he is very efficient and he's also very consistent with his three. But uh, yeah, I don't know. It's just he can't find his own shot. He always has to come off a pick and roll or find exactly. it. Exactly. Yeah. My my he's... opinion is just more of the same as well. Yeah. 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 Uh, here's what I'll say. I think that out of all the guys we're focusing on today, Sadiq Bay has the lowest ceiling, and I think that the reason for that is I think he has the least amount of just like physical gifts and natural skill at basketball. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, like if, if you look at. Lamelo Ball, he has a basketball IQ over the, off the charts. Anthony Edwards has um, athleticism, say athleticism. Mm-hmm. but you know Sadiq Bay is not really the same. Like, yeah, he's so not very yeah, explosive or athletic that's, in that's, any way. That's so. what I will say. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I will say yeah. that even if Sadiq Bay is able to get all of his skills really good, even his own shot creation, like what you guys were talking about, I still don't think that he's ever going to achieve levels of greatness, which the other guys on this list will be able to, simply because. There is um, same as what I was saying with Edwards. There's only so far which natural talent can take you. There's only so far the trained skill can take you. Mm-hmm. Yep, it's a combination of both. Yeah, yeah, that's and what makes great players. Mm-hmm. He does fit his role though, like what he needs to be for the Pistons. Yes, especially. yes, mm-hmm. he fits his role, but mm-hmm. I don't think he's going to become a star. Yeah, I, yeah, that, I, but that's I, the problem that's when you I fit your role and not exceed your role. That's when you know the ceiling is low. I so. agree. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's that's kind of what I was gonna say with Sadiq Bay. Like, I feel like he uh, can excel very well as a role player on a championship team, considering he fits the mold of what you want from a wing player. He's able to shoot the three well. He's very efficient, and if he is able to work on it, he's gonna be able to guard multiple positions. So, in becoming a star and having the same potential of the likes of Anthony Edwards, James Wiseman, uh, Lamella Ball, I don't think so. But slotting him in kind of onto any NBA lineup and being a um, difficulty for the other team to kind of deal with is um, something that he's going to excel at if he reaches his potential. Uh, I thought I should mention this as well. Um, I know that this draft class was, um, I remember hearing some news. I don't know if this is, if this was like necessarily everybody's opinion, but I know people were saying that the, that this draft class would be one of the weaker ones in recent years, but I'm, I'm really thinking about it, but um, most of the picks have, and like most of the players have panned out. They've um, they've all been playing quite well and seem to have a decent future ahead. Uh, We can move on to the next rookie, the last one for this question. It's Emmanuel Quickly. Okay, I have just to start it off. Just it's pretty much just one word. This is a one word answer. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) and it's his defense. Like, he's too small to guard any of the bigger guards. And I feel like he he wasn't really, like, from what we saw at Kentucky, he was great. But his defense is just so lackluster. He didn't mm-hmm. really attribute to anything that had to do with, like, their defense. Yeah, I agree as well. Uh, in terms of Manuel Quickly's offense, the, he's very well-rounded and he can do kind of a multitude of things. But his defense, if you want to be a point guard in the league that is not very good defensively, you need to have your offense to a level that is of the best of the best. Mm-hmm. You see this with players like Kyrie Irving, Bradley Beal, Stephen Curry, where their offense is just so unimaginably good that it kind of almost outweighs their... Um, yeah, really compensates for it. In a way. So I feel like if Emmanuel quickly wants to be a player that stays in the NBA a long time and is able to kind of um, get a big contract or play on a contending team, he needs to... Uh, he either needs to become a two-way player 
or needs to get his offense to a point where it is so good that a, t- a team will willingly take him on his team um, despite his um, defensive issues. Yeah, more the same, honestly. Yeah, it's just defense. That's his main problem. I mean, if you compensate on offense, then, yeah, he's a great-looking player, just more of what Emerino said. It's It's just – Fully defense, in my opinion. Yeah, just adding on to that, um, I would just like to say that we kind of this is kind of being proven by the addition of Derrick Rose at the t- uh, trade deadline, considering that he was just able to kind of step into what Emmanuel Quickly's like um, role was on the Knicks and kind yeah. of do everything better that Emmanuel Quickly does. He's a much more refined player with a lot more experience, and I feel like um, he. It, Everything that we're saying here is just kind of being proven by that, considering that he was just able to immediately take Quickly's role. And now I feel like with Rose there, he kind of has an awkward fit because you kind of have a three-point guard rotation with Derek Rose, Quickly, and Elford Payton. Now, Elford Payton, quite honestly, is not very good, but I feel like um, <laughs> Derek Rose is able to step into his role and kind of do everything that Quick was doing. So um, he's just – I feel like he's been really slowing down uh, – in comparison to the first part of the season. So he's got a long ways to go in order to become um, one of the bright spots of the Knicks. Yeah, definitely more of a poised player he needs to become. So out of these five rookies, who do you see doing the best in their career 10 years down the road, like accolade-wise, overall career-wise, and something like that? And in this question, we can add more rookies if you really think that uh, someone else is going to do better. Then uh, I'm totally fine with that. But yeah. And uh, five rookies, I'll say them again, are Lamelo Ball, Anthony Edwards, Tyrese Halliburton, Sadiq Bey, and Emmanuel Quickly. Um, for me, the answer is very clear, honestly. I think Lamelo Ball is <laughs> yeah, done mm-hmm. very easily. Mm-hmm. Or maybe not. In comparison to Edwards, I think he'll edge him out uh, by a significant amount, but that's just my opinion. I feel like Ed, uh, Anthony or uh, Lamelo Ball has the most God-given talent and the tools that are going to translate the uh, best into um, – uh, future years in the NBA. You know, he's mm-hmm. able to do so much on offense at such a young age. He's able to uh, play make for his teammates efficiently while also showing f- uh, flashes of brilliance with his own uh, shot creation. So I think if he just keeps working at his game, he's going to be able to rack up uh, some of those awards. He could potentially become an MVP of the league if the Hornets get a little better and he keeps working on his game. And I think he's going to get multiple all-star appearances while just having a little bit more versatility than Anthony Edwards on the offensive end. And I feel like with we see a trend in the NBA now with those taller point guards that are able to um, open things up for everyone on the floor as long uh, as well as their own um, individual shot creation. We see this with a player like Luka Doncic, and I don't think Lamelo Ball will become as good at his peak as Luka Doncic, but I think he can kind of be a um, somewhat similar to Luka in the way that he plays, and I think that's extremely valuable in the current NBA that is played today. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I'd like to agree as well. I mean something that carries you throughout your career is your basketball IQ. I mean, it's a thing on offense and defense. And it goes to show that many players have had um, quite the great IQ in basketball and they've traveled so far in the world of the NBA. And I feel like that's going to carry him pretty far and uh, really mold him into the player that he's going to be when he truly grows or blossoms. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's exactly my opinion as well. Mm -hmm. Anything else, guys? You guys think Lamelo? I, I, I would like to say that I think that Anthony Edwards has the potential to become the greatest player in this uh, draft class, but mm-hmm. I'm a bit skeptical that that's actually going to happen. His efforts a bit um, suspect. Yeah, commitment to the game. I mean, yeah. yes, where is it? Yes, I, I, I need to see that for him to be the I best of those calls. If, 
if if all goes well, if all goes right how it's supposed to, Anthony Edwards is easily the greatest out of this draft class for me. But um, <laughs> unfortunately, it's not a perfect world we live in, and I don't think he's ever going to achieve his peak potential. And um, he's going to plateau early into his career, and he's going to um, show promise early on, as he is right now. Mm-hmm. But that is eventually going to taper off as um, he begins to stagnate. That's my prediction. So I agree with you guys with uh, Lamella Ball. Mm-hmm. Okay, respectable. I get that. I think that in my opinion, uh, I have to agree, sort of with Philip here, that Anthony Edwards will end up being, I mean, he'll be the best scorer out of this draft class for sure, which will lead to accolades in his career. But I don't know if that'll end up leading to anything else other than just, like, scoring titles and maybe an MVP uh, in comparison to, like, championships. But, uh, yeah, I'd probably go in 10 years down the road, probably LaMelo. Mm-hmm. But I hope that Anthony Edwards, like, pans out and uh, doesn't pursue anything else like his rap career. The fifth question for today is what player or all-star would you compare each rookie to in the NBA currently? We can, and it's another one where we go down the list. So if you guys want to do that, it's uh we can start off with Lamelo. If you guys want to think about um, that, uh, I kind of already have my answer. I said it in the last answer actually. I think of Lamelo Ball similar to that of Luka Doncic. Now, this is primarily because of their ability to create for others and be a dominant player on the perimeter as well as um, creating for themselves and all their teammates. And I don't think, like I said, um, right now, I think that would be the closest comparison, but I think LaMelo does have a long, long ways to go before he gets achieves the offensive brilliance that Luka Doncic has. We see it in their ability to kind of rack up those triple doubles and they have um, comparatively sort of similar stat lines aside from the uh, amount of points that they scored. If you were to um, kind of equate it out, but um, I think their play styles are very similar in kind of a perimeter-centric offense and their ability to just get everyone involved in the offense and really be a dominant force um, at, from the point guard position. If I were to pick, like, any like ceiling of, like, LaMelo's career, maybe someone like a Jason Kidd. Jason Kidd. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. I was just about to say like that. A yeah. tall, like a taller point guard who can do everything on the floor. Like, LaMelo can get rebounds. We've seen it before. Yep. Oh, averaging, yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. Close to eight rebounds. So he could get, mm-hmm. I feel like he could be someone in the league who um, can help get a triple-double like every night on the floor like we've seen Russell Westbrook do. But, uh, yeah, I feel like Jason Kidd, just like a taller point guard who's great at playmaking. He can mm-hmm. quite literally dish and swish. That is yeah. that is true. That is very fact. Actual mm-hmm. factual. Yes, sir. All right. Okay. Yeah, uh, next next rookie? <laughs> cool. All right, yeah. cool, cool, cool. Okay, so the next player is... Anthony Edwards, yeah. I yeah. think I think this one is pretty easy for yeah. me because I, I see it in their game mm-hmm. a lot, like the way that they play. I think it's Donovan Mitchell. I I I agree. Ooh, with that. Cool. Yeah, I like that a lot. Yeah, I think just the way that they both play, it's super similar. And I saw it. I remember watching Anthony Edwards in college and like thinking like to myself like this guy plays like someone, but I just couldn't put my mind or put my finger on it. Mm-hmm. And it was Donovan Mitchell. And right. it, it's just crazy. Like, they play extremely similar when you go watch uh, some of their highlights. But, um, yeah. Yeah, no, I, I'd agree with that, too. Donovan one of my first picks as well. But someone else is probably DeMar DeRozan. 
And uh, I think they play like really athletically inclined and they're like really capable of exploding at the rim and stuff like that. They, they've got that similar uh, style of playing and they're both decent playmakers. And yeah, it's, it's just really cool to see like that. So I think, I think DeMar DeRozan would be a really good player comparison for the two. I don't yeah. know if this is a good comparison, but I was, I, I don't know, Zach Levine, does that work? I don't really. Uh, shooting was. Shooting that's, was? That's the perimeter, yeah. It's, mm. it's the I'd, say, I'd say Donovan Mitchell is the best. Donovan Mitchell? Comparison. Okay. Yeah, yeah, but, I think so as well. Like, I now just looking back at them, the way they play, they're very um uh, isolation-heavy players that can exactly. use the pick and roll to kind of find their own shot. And yeah. they, they have flashes of really efficient games, but also can have those lower efficient games as well. And they're heavily dependent on um kind of their athletic ability as well exactly. as their jump shot at times. So. I feel like they're both very um, skillful offensive players that can be contending for scoring titles in the future. But, um, yeah, I feel like Anthony Edwards comparatively is a little bit more athletic, but the comparison is really, really spot on. I think he plays a lot like a like a younger PG. I can um, see that. That's, that's um, mainly what I see, like way back at uh, the start of the decade, PG. Or like um, his highest ceiling, like if you were to be like – one of the best shooting guards of all time, like Dwayne Wade. Yeah. Could... That's what I was thinking. <laughs> then again, my best comparison for uh, Mitchell as well is D Wade. Dwayne Wade. So yeah, exactly. Yeah. I've, I, I've always seen that. And it's mm-hmm. just, but I agree with you there. Edwards is definitely similar to those two. Uh, next guy is Tyrese Halliburton. From watching him this season, I think that he's, he's kind of like a mix, or he's kind of just like DeJounte Murray, I feel like. Good defender, has an impact on offense. Maybe like a Drew Holiday. I could see that. Um, mm-hmm. my comparison that I would say is Shea Gilgis Alexander. Um, I think the two are very similar on the offensive end uh, in terms of the way they play. They're both taller guards that can uh, move without the ball pretty well, but still have a, a bit of a ways to go and are very effective in the playmaking aspect of the offense. So mm-hmm. I like you. you can really slot them in into any offense and they will be effective and are very good at creating their own shot as well as being impactful in the defensive end. So I feel like that would be my comparison of choice. I like your Mino's comparison here too. Okay. Oh. <laughs> no, I'd, I'd agree with that one too. Yeah, um, both high IQ passers and smart off ball. So yeah, uh, I thought it was a bit of a Lonzo Ball because exactly the same reason actually, high IQ and smart off ball, and their mm-hmm. mannerisms, athleticism wise, are pretty similar. It's pretty limited, but uh, they're not known for that. But they're still uh, just athletic enough to really be average. And then, uh, I mean, unorthodox shooting once again. But yeah, sure. okay. Uh, next up, we have Sadiq Bay. Okay, I, I was thinking about this one as we were just talking about Halliburton. Okay. I think, I mean, he's kind of like Chris Middleton. Um, My comparison that I would do is Robert Covington. Now, Sadiq Bey, I think, can possess the, or he does have the tools uh, to make him into a Chris Middleton type player. But as of right now, I don't see him having the shot creating ability in those kind of isolation and one-on-one settings to see him as a Chris Middleton prototype. I see more of a Robert Covington guy that is just a guy that's able to give you great defense and three-point shooting on a consistent basis, versatile, and really is can be used in any NBA offense and any NBA system. Now, Sadiq Bey does have a ways to go if he wants to go beyond that, but I think right now Robert Covington is probably the closest thing that we see in the NBA as they both do sort of the similar things and really don't have a use that's 
outside of uh, three-point shooting and defending. They're not very good playmakers, and they really don't play inside very much, but they're useful to almost every single team in the NBA. So. I, I, I like that comparison, too. Although, I also see a little bit of uh, Boyan Bogdanovic. So, yeah. Really? Oh. Huh, yeah, which yeah. Is, it just, once again, ties in with a shooting. Like, I can, oh, I can see right. him going yeah. down that path, which yeah. is kind of um, – on the opposite side of what Evan is saying, he could go down that path, but it's also um, if he focuses more on shooting rather than shot creating. Mm-hmm. Okay, so it's interesting to see how he pans out. Right. Yeah. yeah. Go mm-hmm. a variety of different ways with his career because of his versatility. So I think I think it's a good point. So next up is Emmanuel Quickly. Yeah. This one's tough. For uh, mm-hmm. Jordan Jordan Clarkson for me. Michael Jordan? No, I'm kidding. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> hot take, quick little Jimmy moment. Uh, but uh, well, I gotta say, right? Jordan Clarkson. Like, oh, okay. Yeah, that stuff that I was saying that like um, he just looks kind of unrefined. I see that little bit in Jordan Clarkson too. He just looks like <laughs> yeah, a bit sloppy when he plays. Yeah, he's not the most refined player. Yeah. Yeah, it's just something about it. Like they just um. Like the way they move looks really similar to me, so I gotta go with Jordan Clarkson. They also have mm-hmm. similar uh, offensive skill sets. I agree with that. Yeah, just just thinking about their mannerisms and the way they play. I mean, it's actually it's it's pretty close. That's that's a good comparison in my opinion. Um, for my NBA comparison, um, this player is not playing in the league, but I think it's just such a spot on comparison that I'm gonna have to do it. Um, I think he plays like Jamal Crawford. I see. Now, I was going to say that, yeah. Uh, Jamal Crawford, uh, comparatively, is a much better ball handler and much more refined in the way that he is able to play on the offensive end. But I see flashes of that in Emmanuel quickly. You know, the crafty finishes around the basket, the the nifty moves to get towards the, the hoop. It's just, it's just an uncanny resemblance, in my opinion. And I think uh, at their best, they're both able to come off the bench and just have an inc- insanely high uh, scoring impact on the game. Now, Jamal Crawford as well was not very good defensively, but you could always rely on him to come in and get consistent buckets for any team uh, against any defense. So I think at his best, he could be that. But um, I think I, uh, Jamal Crawford is a good comparison based on the way they play on the offensive end and kind of how they score um, just overall. Yeah, that's exactly what I was going to say. I was going to say Jamal Crawford just because kind of like what you said, like quickly can play the two guard. He would be a bit undersized, kind of like Crawford was, but he he's capable of playing the point. He's a great playmaker. He is gift of offensively and struggles defensively, like we said uh, earlier. So I just feel like if quickly does have a long uh, career in the NBA, he could be uh, a great bench player for any team, and he's a, yeah he could be a great bench shooter for any team. All right, so thank you guys for listening to episode five of the Dish and Switch podcast. Uh, we had a lot of fun making this one, and we're thinking of uh, post for sure posting more on Instagram, posting more on TikTok. We say this every time. <laughs> uh, on the Instagram, maybe we could like uh, like get some suggestions from you guys from what you want to hear us talk about on the podcast. For sure, I agree. Uh, get some feedback. But, uh, yeah, thank you guys again for listening, and we'll see you guys on the next episode.